Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to Renovation Church. Y'all excited to be here today? Come on, put your hands together. Thank you for being here. Welcome to everybody watching online. And if you're in the house, if you haven't taken the time to pull out your phone, share the stream, wanna invite you to do that. Uh, today, we're kicking off a brand new series called Mo Money, Mo Problems. And I promise you, a series is gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be helpful. And uh, before we dive into that, though, um, I really am excited about groups. In fact, I'm leading a group on Monday night. So if you've been trying to figure out what group to join, we'd love you to have to join mine. Uh, it's on Monday nights right here from 6 to 6.30. It's only 30 minutes. Uh, and it's just a time for us to come together and grow as leaders. And so every week I pour into my staff team and one of the things God put on my heart was to invite you to be a part of that and just kind of see behind the scenes and really get poured into and developed as a leader, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your job, your family, your home, whatever it may be, we'd love to have you. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more um, about some more groups that we're gonna be adding on in the future. Um, we're also having worship night and baptisms tonight. Anybody excited about that? Come on. If you didn't know about that, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's at 6 p.m. We have a kids ministry from birth up to second grade. So again, we'd love for you to join us. Gonna be a lot of fun. I think we have like 10 or 11 people getting baptized. And maybe for you, you've never went public with your faith and tonight would be a great opportunity to do that. And then finally, um, if you're new and, or maybe you've been coming a couple weeks and you've been wondering like, what, what's renovation about? How do I get involved? I got some questions, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. We have something we call Connect and it's coming up two Sundays from now. So not next Sunday, but the following on Sunday night at 6 p.m. You can bring your kids. We have Garcia's Mexican catered in. Come on, somebody. Anybody just loves some good food. Amen. Not Y'all aren't hungry, apparently. That's fine. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about food later, but um, it's gonna be an incredible night. So uh, thank you for being here again today. Make sure to share the stream. And if you're watching online, let us know where you're watching from because today we're going into a new series called Mo Money, Mo Problem. And you may be wondering, why in the world would I talk about the thing that none of you actually want to talk about? Right? Like, why would I talk about like the most controversial topic on the planet to talk about in church? Well, a friend of mine uh, who's a pastor asked me this back in November, and he said, hey, bro, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, kind of planning some sermon series together. Like, I love what you guys are doing, and could just use your help. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm never really planned that far in advance. And so I said, okay, cool, you know, and, and uh, just kind of talked to him through that. And he's like, so what are you doing in January and in February? And I said, well, uh, in January, I'm gonna be teaching through the Song of Solomon and we're gonna talk about sex a little bit. And, uh, and then in February and kind of March, we're gonna talk about money. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do something different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's like, nah, maybe I don't wanna follow your plan. But you may be wondering like him, like why would I talk about money? Why talk about money when we're trying to grow a church? It's probably not a good strategy. Why talk about money in a city, in a culture that for many of you who walk in have been hurt by the church? specifically in this area. Maybe for you, you belong to a church and you had a pastor that used this topic to manipulate you to get something from you. Unfortunately, the reason why so many of us are just kind of like clenching up and some of you are like, man, I came on the week, they're talking about money, right? Like you're just like, oh, why do we got to talk about this? Maybe the reason why is because, you know, you've heard TV preachers or you've been in church where, you know, the pastor's up there and he's trying to convince you to like, if you'll just sow a seed of $10 into the ministry here, we're going to send you some holy water from the Sea of Galilee and God's going to turn it back into a thousand, right? Like, you know, and if you don't have all the riches on earth, well, then God's mad at you. And it's this idea of like the prosperity gospel. And so let me first just say, like, if you're feeling that right now, um, 
man, I don't want anything from you. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna pressure you to give during this series. In fact, um, this series is more about your faith than it is your finances. And, um, and I, I'm telling you, I, I believe that what God's gonna do in this week is gonna be so powerful because about a year and a half ago, I did a, a similar series and uh, it's, it's, it's different. You can go back and listen to it. It's called Kingdom Culture. Um, you can learn some things there about stewardship and generosity. But in that four-week series, more people gave their life to Christ in that four weeks more than any series we've done in two years. Now, why is that? Well, I talk about money. For others of you, maybe it's the opposite end. Maybe you do well financially. And maybe you felt guilty for having nice stuff or a big house or a nice car. Because some pastor is like, oh, well, you know, Jesus was homeless. So if you're a Christian, you need to be homeless too. Anybody heard that? So on one side, you got prosperity. The other side, you got poverty. So which one is it? Neither. See, I believe that what Jesus wants for you is the same thing I want for you. God does not need your money. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're nervous or whatever right now, just relax. Because I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And what I want for you is the same blessing that I've, I've been able to be a part of. What I want for you is to experience what it's like to use what you have to be a blessing to other people. I want you to experience the joy that happens when you see that the things you have on this earth are not just meant for you, but they're meant to be a resource to help build the kingdom of God. That's what I want for you. I want you to be out of debt. Can I get an amen? I'm gonna say something real controversial because why not, you know? Um, I want you to have a lot of money. Oh, no amens? <laughs> Looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Because see, some of you are like, well, isn't money the root of all evil? Why would you say that? I mean, people say the money's root of all evil. That's in the Bible, right? Nope. Yes, it is. No, it's not. One of the most misquoted and abused and misused verses in the Bible. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6 says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see the difference? Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to have money. What he's saying is it's wrong for money to have you. It's not wrong to have stuff, but it is wrong for stuff to have you. See, the problem isn't that we have money. The problem is that money has us. See, what Jesus wants for you is to live a life surrendered to him. Jesus does not need your money, but he does want your heart. That's why it says in Matthew chapter six, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus knows is what I know. And what I've learned, it's the reason so many people gave their life to Christ the last time we did a series similar to this. Because for so many people, the thing that you don't want to talk, to, talk about is the very thing you need to talk about. For so many people, the thing that you're holding on to is often the thing that is holding on to you. Where God is calling you next will always be out of where you're comfortable now. And so maybe, just maybe, if you're like, I ain't been to church in like four months and here we are talking about money and maybe you're like, oh, I've heard stuff like this before and I'm just kind of getting you know, tight and I'm like, I don't know if I wanna come back for the next three weeks. Let me just tell you, it might be, just maybe, that you're holding on to something and it's keeping you from living the life God has called you to live because you just feel like you gotta have it in order to be satisfied. So here's what I'm gonna do. For the next four weeks, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you where we're going. 
And there's four things I wanna talk to you about. And I believe that if you will take these to heart, if you'll remember them, if you'll apply them to your life, if you'll take some notes, you'll write them down. I believe they have the power to transform your life. And here's the four things that we're gonna talk about. I want you to repeat these after me. Say less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Come on, let's say that again. Say less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Say like you believe it. And for the people in the back, say less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. And tomorrow matters. So I want to talk about this first concept that less is more. You might be like, that don't make any daggum sense. How many of you ever prayed to have less? Yep, didn't think so, right? So what do you, what do you mean less is more? Well, see, for many of us, what we've been conditioned and taught is that more money means no problems. Oh, if I just had more money, all my problems would go away. I would be good. Maybe that's why Jesus says he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much because more money does not mean no problems. In fact, oftentimes more money actually magnifies more problems. Because when you get more of something, it reveals what's within inside of you. More money does not mean no problems. But see, we've been told that we need more. We've been taught that, you know, more is better. One is good, but two is better. One dollar is good, two dollars is better. One car is good, two cars is better. One vacation is good, come on somebody, two vacations is better. One kid is good, two kids, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, it breaks down somewhere. You know this, right? Like just because we have this idea, like one is good, but like two is not always better. How many of you love going to the movies? Anybody movie, movie people in here? You know, I know it's like $80. You can go to Roots Chris or a movie, take your pick. But <laughs> one of the things I love going to the movies, I used to do this in high school. Some of y'all still breaking the law now. You know where you sneak in your own candy? You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all need to repent from your sin right here today. <laughs> Next step. But I remember there was like those big boxes of like Skittles and Starbursts and all that stuff. I remember, so I'm a Skittles guy, right? And I remember walking in and I'm thinking, you know, well, if one is good, two is better. So I found an extra like $5 in my pocket and I was like, well, I got one bag of Skittles, but I need two bags of Skittles. So I get two bags of Skittles. I go into the movie, no popcorn, no Coke, just Skittles. And so I watched the whole movie, eat both bags of Skittles, and I tasted the rainbow. And then afterwards, I puked up the rainbow. Why? Because one is good, but two is not always better. We've been conditioned to believe that the more and the more and the more I have, more clothes, more shoes, more cars, more this, more that, the better off we will be. And the reason why is because there's this lie that we all believe. We all tend to believe this lie. It's the same lie that Adam and Eve believed in the garden. And here's the lie, that what you need is what you do not have. That what you need is what you do not have. And so what you need is somewhere out there. And so you got to go get it. And once you get it, you'll be happy, satisfied, fulfilled, cool, popular, successful, whatever it is. Why? Because what you need most is what you do not have now. And so we have this just like, I, I need, I need more in order to be happy. I mean, you, you know this. How many of you love buffets? Anybody love buffets? 
Yeah, Paula Dean Buffet, that's my girl. Come on now. And uh, here's what happens, right? You go and you'll eat and you'll get a whole plate full of food. I mean, just stacked up. And you'll eat the whole plate and, and you'll be so full. My stepdad says, I'm full as a tick. You know, he'll say something like that. And what will everybody at your table say? Well, you gotta go back for another plate. It's like, why would I need more when I'm already full? Ooh. I'll tell you why, because in America, enough is never enough. We always need more because what I need is what I do not have. So just give me some more of that. But here's what I want to do. I want you to imagine for a second. Let's just say this is about to happen. What if the richest, wisest, most influential person on the earth was going to come and give you some advice today? What if right now our boy, Mr. Elon Musk, is going to come through those doors and he's going to say, let me tell you the secret. Let me give you some tips of not just how to be rich, filthy rich. Anybody want to be filthy rich? Y'all ever been like, you know, if I was rich, I would be better at being rich than the person being rich because they're dumb rich and I'd be smart rich. You know what I'm talking about? But what if he came in? You would lean in. You would take notes. You would bring people back if I said that our boy's going to come every, every single week for four weeks. Now, I got good news and I got bad news. You want the good news or bad news? Bad news, right? Elon Musk ain't coming, all right? But here's the good news. Biblically, there is a man known as the wisest, wealthiest, richest man to ever walk the planet. In fact, if you would actually take the time to, to learn, you would see that this man had so much wealth, so many kingdoms, so much land, so many animals, had so many people underneath him working that he would make billionaires today look broke. And his name is Solomon. And we've been talking a lot about Solomon and how he likes the love songs. Now we're going to talk a little bit more. And I'm just telling you that Solomon was a man that God transformed and changed like many people in this room. And God spoke through him into his word to teach you that less is more. And so here's what I want to do. Because less is more, I'm going to give you one verse for today. Now, if I quote a couple other verses, it's because God's word is hidden in my heart and I just can't help it, all right? But I'm gonna give you one verse today from Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six, on what Solomon says that I think is so helpful. And if you would get this in your soul, I promise you it's gonna help you. Here's what he says. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility, with peace, than two handfuls and chasing after the wind. Can I tell you why one handful is better than two? Because if I have two handfuls, I'm not much of a help to anybody. I'm too busy. I can't help nobody. But if I will learn that one handful is more peaceful, if someone needs my help up, I can give them a help up. If someone needs me to come alongside them and encourage them, I can put my arm around them. Why? Because one handful with tranquility is better than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. If I got one handful, I can actually use the other arm to take a nap. Come on, somebody, and dab on them. Some of you would be better at life and have more friends if you just take a nap. Amen? But oftentimes, the reason we don't like to have this conversation is because we don't know how to live with one handful. We got both. And so here's my goal. What I want you to realize 
is that it is better to have less of what does not matter and more of what does matter. It is better, I promise you, to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. Now, you might be like, well, what matters? Because to me, money matters. Does money matter? Of course it matters, but, but money is not the meaning of life. There is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There is more to this life than money and possessions. Less is more. In fact, there was a study given to a group of people, a large group of people that had 30 days or less to live and they were in hospice care. And the question was asked, what really matters most in life? And you know what they didn't say? Money. You know what they didn't say? My new J's. They didn't talk about their granite countertops that they just had to have. Nope. They talked about their God, their family, their friends, and making memories with them. And what I know about you is you understand this concept that less is more, but it's just so hard to believe it in a culture that tells you what I need is what I do not have. If I were to ask you right now to think and write down your top three moments in life, the most impactful moments in your life, the things that value most, you know what you tell me? You would tell me about that vacation you took with your parents. You would tell me about your first son or daughter being born. You would tell me about the time you fell in love, or you'd tell me about that engagement, or you would tell me about your wedding night, or you would tell me about the moment you gave your life to Jesus, or you would tell me the moment you got baptized and went public with your faith, or you would tell me about the friend that was lost and buried in addiction and had tried everything under the sun to break it, and all of a sudden, you initiated some help with them, and you actually got them to a place where they could hear Jesus, and now they've been addiction-free. That's what matters most. You would not tell me about what you wore to that party one time. It don't fit anyway. You wouldn't tell me. But we still have this like, I gotta have more. That's why Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, which is interesting. Because I thought he would say, be on your guard against Satan. Be on your guard against all kinds of demons. Be on your guard, you know, against the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-mm. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why? Because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The problem isn't having stuff. The problem is when stuff has you. The problem isn't having a nice house, nice car. The problem isn't having wealth. The problem is when wealth has you. Why? Because better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I'm gonna read you the, uh, the PKT version. You ever heard the PKT version? That's the Pastor Cody translation. You're probably not gonna find it nowhere. I'm gonna just tell you why. Less is more. You know, I just said better is one hand. Let me, let me remix this for you. Better is a job that pays less with time with your family than a high profile position in a broken marriage. Somebody say less is more. Better is being okay with your singleness than being thirsty and chasing everyone who will sleep with you. Better is more. Better is accepting and developing your calling rather than trying to, to be and do everything that seems profitable and successful at the moment. Say less is more. 
Better is being humble and allowing God to elevate you than being a bit ambitious and trying to make a name for yourself that you will not sustain. Better is to have a few nice things that you own than to have tons of junk that owns you. Why? Because less is more. And here's my question. What if the stuff you have is robbing you of the life you want? Your life does not consist in an abundance of things. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. And your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things. There is something inside of you that exists for more than just you. That's why Jesus says, watch out, or you will believe the lie that everyone has believed for the eternity of man, that there is something outside of what God provides for you that you need in order to fill the hole that only God himself can fill. So then how do we live with this one handful mentality? What do we, how do we live? Here's the first thing, write this down. I'm gonna challenge you, it's real practical. Clear out, somebody say clear out. Turn to the person next to you say, clear out all that junk. Clear out all that junk. Isn't it amazing on how much junk we have? Anybody got a bunch of junk in the house? Jessica and I cleaned up some stuff out this week. We had like six junk drawers. Anybody else? Right? Like just, it's amazing how, how much just like stuff we have. You just got to clear out. You just got all this stuff. Did you know that storage units are a $22.3 billion industry? Ooh, some of y'all are like, really? Yeah, you're paying somebody else to watch the junk that don't fit in your house. $200 a month, five years, that's $12,000. And y'all are like, well, I'm gonna refinish that table one day. Really? <laughs> Pay me $12,000, you can ref refurbish your whole home. But we'll be like, oh, well, you know, God, get me out of debt. And he's like, why don't you get rid of some of your stuff? Because you don't own it. It owns you. It's amazing, right? I mean, when Jessica and I first got married, <laughs> we lived in this old like 1940s home, huge house. Now, it's not because we could afford that, it's because we were, I was the BCM director. If you know what that means, it means I'm the Baptist Collegiate Minister at Cumberland University, all right? I've never been a part of a Baptist church and that was my intro, all right? So I, I'm there, Jessica and I get married and we're living on campus at the BCM house. You may have been to that in college, you know, where they give the free food on Fridays, kind of come in. And so Jessica and I had this little bitty apartment whatever, it was like a room, okay? We had like our bedroom, a living room, and a closet that would fit like six towels. Am I lying? I mean, we had nothing. Now, if you've never been into an old house, the thing about old homes versus new homes is old homes ain't got no closets. Why? Because they knew what we need to know that less is actually more. What did they have? They had a couple outfits to go to work in, they had a couple dresses or suits to go out on the town with. They had a couple things just to get dirty in or lounge around the house. And that was it. But now we got walk-in closets with levels. I mean, like you got a four-story closet. Some of y'all got a closet so big I could park my truck in it. And you're like, well, hmm, got to have stuff, really. Well, why do we have garages? What are garages? Garages are homes for our cars. And you know what's interesting? Last night when I got home, I looked at every single house in my street. All of them have garages, but guess what? Nobody's car was parked in them. Why? Because our garages are filled with all the freaking junk that we can't fit in our homes. It's like, I can't pull into my garage. My poor car doesn't even have a home. Just got to sit in the driveway, get rained on. Less is more. 
Our life doesn't consist in an abundance of things. We gotta clear out. I'm not just talking about decluttering, y'all. I'm talking about de-owning. Some of you need to go through some stuff and you're like, well, it's just, it's important to me. There's two reasons you don't wanna clear out. Fear and sentiment. That's it. Well, my kids may need that one day. Hmm, really? You ain't needed it in four years, but your kids might one day. I think it's a faith problem. Some of us don't wanna let go of our stuff because if we let go of our stuff, we'd actually have to trust God to provide what we need in the future. Oh, but it's my baby's first hair. Some of y'all got poop diapers stored away in closets. You got a ninth place spelling bee participation trophy. That's the problem with our country right there. Sorry if I offended you. It's like, oh, my ninth place in the spelling bee. That's why I still can't spell. You know what I mean? Like, just patted him on the back. You got to clear out. And see, you're like, oh, this doesn't really matter. I mean, it's good advice, but it doesn't really matter, really. What if I told you that your life might depend on it? What if I told you that eternity was at stake? Because when Jesus is preaching, he tells a story about a man in Matthew chapter 19. And he tells about this guy who comes up to him known as the rich young ruler. Young, rich, influential, has a lot of stuff, a lot of money. And he asks him a question. He says, what must I do in order to have eternal life? And Jesus gets in this conversation with him and he talks about, well, what are the commandments? And he's like, well, I've obeyed those. I've, I've obeyed my father and mother. I've, I've, you know, I haven't murdered. I haven't stolen. I haven't done all of this stuff. And he goes, what else do I got to do? Jesus says this in Matthew 19, verse 21. He says, if you want to be perfect. Now he's not talking about sinless. Perfect is another word for mature or complete. If you want to be mature and complete, Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Or I should say, because great wealth had him. He couldn't live with less. Let me ask you a question. Can you? Can you live with less? You really need all that stuff? Then Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And some of you are like, oh, there's my way out because I'm not rich. Guess what? If you drove to church today in a vehicle, you're in the top 5% of the people out of 8 billion in the world. Oh, you're rich. You just don't know it. He says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Not because it's a sin to have a lot of stuff. It's just a sin to have a lot of stuff on you. The problem is not money. The problem is that money has people. That's why Jesus talks about this a lot. That's the reason I'm talking about it, by the way. Not because I just feel like talking about money, but because God actually has a lot to say about money. Like, did you know that like Jesus talks about money more than love? Did you know he talks about it more than heaven and hell combined? If you read the scriptures, what you will find is there are 500 something verses that talk about prayer and faith. How many think those are important? But money and possessions, guess how many times it's mentioned? 2,350 times. Why am I talking about money? Number one reason for divorce. Why? Because it has people. 
And the reason I'm talking about it is because I want for you what Jesus wants for you, and that's for you to live a life fully surrendered to him. And some of you cannot do that because you won't let go of your stuff. Somebody say clear out. Better is one handful of tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's the second thing. Cut back. Turn to your neighbor and say, cut back. Cut back. That means spend less. Amen. For people. Amen. Did you know that 62% of Americans say that the way they cope with pain and sadness is going shopping? Well, I'm just browsing at Target. No, you're not. Well, I'm just clicking it on Amazon. Maybe you need to stop clicking it on Amazon. Here's the one God gave for me. Maybe you need to stop eating out, buddy. It's amazing what would happen if you would actually just cut back. You wouldn't believe it. Told somebody two weeks ago, Jessica and I went on a trip to, to, to Gatlinburg, not because we have a lot of money. I would say that it has a lot to do with because back in November of last year, made a decision that we're gonna cut back and stop spending our money on crap that doesn't matter and start investing it into things that do matter, like our marriage. Some of you are like, well, I can't afford to go on a vacation with my spouse. You can't afford not to. And so what did we do? We decided, you know what? We're gonna go on a spending freeze for a little bit. We're gonna cut back. We're gonna save some money. Rather than eating out all the time, we're gonna eat in. Rather than just going and blowing money everywhere, we're gonna save it. And then we're gonna wait until the prices drop over half percent, over 50%. And we're gonna go to Gatlinburg for dirt cheap, just me and her so that we can get away for our marriage and talk about the series we just finished. Come on, somebody. Right, like we, we're like, hey, we're just gonna do it. No, like, well, I can't afford to. You can't afford not to. It's gonna start with you going, hey, I'm gonna cut back. Love of Psalm 119 says, it says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. You know that those things don't matter. Here would be my encouragement. What would happen if you started choosing experiences over things? Incline my heart to your testimonies. I think what will happen at the end of your life, no one will talk about your money, but they will tell stories about you. What if you just decided I'm gonna stop investing my life and money and time into all the crap that doesn't matter and I'm actually gonna invest it into what does matter and I'm gonna choose more stories and less stuff. Why? Because less is more. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna clear out, we're gonna cut back and here's the third one, we're gonna pay off. Somebody say pay off. How many of you want to be debt free? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all love living in debt, right? You know, it's funny. I've never heard anybody be like, man, you know what makes our marriage so strong? We just love paying interest payments together. Isn't it fun? <laughs> no one's like, wow, I just love my $649 truck payment where I pay 12% interest over seven years and pay over $90,000 for it. It helps my marriage. I just love student loans. God bless Sally Mae. <laughs> no. Man, can you imagine a life not having to pay Sally, whoever that is? Can you imagine a life not having a car payment? I just decided I'm never having a car payment again. I will walk to work before I get a car payment. You got to pay off. Here's how I like to say it. PKT version again. Better is a cheap car that runs than an expensive one you pay 12 years for. <laughs> Better is a house that you can afford 
than a house you fight about every day because you're living paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil, of pain, and chasing after the wind. I am convinced that it is so much better for us to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. I'm so convinced it is better to own a few nice things than own a bunch of junk that actually owns you. Did you know that the richest people on this earth are not those who have the most? The richest people on this earth are those who need the least. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, I'm telling you. The richest people on earth are not those who have the most, but those who need the least. Don't believe me, think I'm crazy. Go to a developing country for about a week and then come talk to me. Just go. Go outside the US, outside of America, go to a developing country. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna get there in day one. You will be shocked by the poverty. Shocked by the smells. Shocked that they have no running water. Shocked that they have no heat. Shocked that they live in 105 degree weather with no AC unit. And you know what's gonna happen? Your heart will break. Then you tell you what happens in day two, day three, it becomes normalized. Because now you're starting to kind of get used to the conditions. And what happens is you look around and you actually see kids outside playing with one another rather than sitting on iPads all day long and they're smiling and they're joyful. And then you go to a, a service with people and sing songs you don't even know the words to, it's in a different language, but you see them with their hands lifted high and you see tears down their eyes and you see a joy in their spirit. And let me tell you what happens, you start to get jealous and you go, man, I wish I had that. I have all that stuff, but no peace have all that junk, but no joy. How in the world could they live like this? Not have that and be so fulfilled because they've understood that less is more in the kingdom. Then what will happen is you'll make a commitment and you'll say, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna live different when I get home. And, and you'll go back home and you'll take cold showers for like two days. I, I've been there. Or, or you'll be like, I'm gonna live with less and you'll be home for like a week or two and you'll be doing so good. But then you see your neighbor get their new car, see your friend get their new J's, something at Target just came out you had to have. And you fall right back into the lie that life consists in an abundance of things. Can I ask you a question? Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Or are you investing into heaven that which you cannot lose? What do you want? I mean, what really matters? I think what really matters is less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Relationships, faith, memories with people you love. For some of us, that next step is going to be to pay off. I said, I don't want nothing from you. I don't force people to give. I don't plead with you to give. God says he loves a cheerful giver. In fact, I would consider it wrong of me to try to, to, to force you to do something that God hasn't called you to do. He says, don't give under compulsion. I want nothing from you. I want something for you. 
want you to pay off your debt. I want you to learn how to live like no one else now so one day you can live like no one else. So I'm like, I've heard that before. That's right, that's from my brother Dave Ramsey. That's why on Thursday nights, 6.30 to 8, we're offering FPU. We bought the workbooks for you. Maybe that's your next step. And you're like, well, I'm not living with envelopes. That's fine, don't live with the envelopes. But come in, learn some principles rooted in God's word and learn what it looks like for you to live financially free so that you can honor God and be a blessing to other people. Some of us can't help nobody, y'all, because we're like this and it's like, well, like I would if I could. I love to help that person up. I love to help that person out, but I got both hands full. And if I, if I help them, I may drop what I have. But I'm just here to tell you, better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. Let me give you another um, PKT version. Can I do that? Uh, better is one handful and children that love you than two handfuls and they don't even know you. Ah. Better is one handful and intimate friends than two handfuls living in isolation. Better is one handful in memories with your family than two handfuls and never getting to see them. But better is one handful in a healthy marriage than two handfuls and not knowing each other. Better is one handful in helping someone else than two handfuls and having no time. Better is one handful and serving God than two handfuls and making life all about you. Why? Because life does not consist in an abundance of your possessions. Less is more, less is more, less is more. Stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna clear out, we're gonna cut back, and we're going to pay off. Pay off. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay off. Here's the reality. We've all been in debt. All made mistakes, no shame especially financially. We've all done stupid stuff, wasted money, blown money. The truth is about everybody in this room, we have all been in debt. Now the debt I'm talking about, I'm gonna flip this message on its head because there's things you can do, practices you can put in place where you can actually pay off some debt. And I wanna help you do that. But there is a debt that everybody in this room has that you can never pay back. Because you, like me, believe the lie that what I need most is out there somewhere and you have chased after the wind. You've believed the lie that the enemy has sold, that true peace is found outside of the presence of God. You and I are in debt. Jesus says the wages of sin is debt. You and I are sinners. The cost of our debt is our life but thanks be to God that did not just look at us, see us in debt and tell us to figure it out, but rather decided to come to earth, pay the penalty that you could not pay, pay the debt you could never pay debt back and cancel it by going to the cross, resurrecting from the grave so that you could be free. You do realize that Jesus didn't die for you so you could stay a slave to money. It's not about your pocketbook, it's about your heart. And for some of you, this is the thing that you will hold on to, but you don't realize that it's actually the thing that is holding on to you. Money makes a horrible master. 
Money only has meaning when you use it as a means to an end to make a difference in eternity. That's it. Money is a resource. It is not the source of life. And for many of you, you have put your faith, the reason you're stressed out, we're gonna talk about this more, is because you have relied on money to be your source and supply of peace, and it cannot be it. Money is a resource, not the source. And I just wanna encourage you. What would it look like for you to actually trust God with your money? I mean, I know you said a prayer one time, but your money still has a hold of your heart. What would it be like if you just said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm done being consumed by crap. I want more of you, less of me. You must increase, I must decrease. God, I, I want what you want because what you want is so much better than this world has to offer. I wanna give you my life because you gave your life for me when I was dead in my sin because of your love. So I would love to pray for you. If you will, stand to your feet. If you're watching online, just bow your head. Unless you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pray two prayers. The first one is for those of you who have accepted Christ and you are a Christian, you've put your faith in Jesus, you believe that he is the perfect son of God that died on the cross in your place and for your sin, dying instead of you, satisfying the wrath of God, resurrecting from the grave, sits down at the right hand of God. For those of you who that's your, that's your plea, that's what you believe, but you've fallen back into the trap that you need more. I wanna pray for those of you and ask that God would once again set you free, not for money, from the love of money. So if you will, will you pray with me? And if, if, if listen, while everybody's heads bowed, I, I, I mean this, there's power in prayer. And um, I just would ask, if you're like, God, I've just believed that life, you would stretch your hand right now and just go, God, I, I, I don't wanna believe that anymore. Hands going up all over the room. God, I pray for every hand lifted, every hand not lifted, everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone watching online. God, that we would believe that our life does not consist in an abundance of things, that better is one hand, with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. God, may you show them that you are the great provider, that what they have is what you have given them and they have everything they need to be who you've called them to be and do what you've created them to do. And that is to make a difference because less is more and stress is bad and giving is good and tomorrow matters. May we live for something bigger than ourselves. You can put your hand down. For those of you, it's to trust Jesus for your salvation. You tried to pay that debt back that you cannot pay by coming to church, doing a bunch of stuff, following the 10 commandments. And the one thing Jesus is saying to you is give all that away and come follow me. If that's you right now, I want you to stretch your hand towards heaven. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. So I'm giving Jesus my life today. Father, I pray for those who are giving their life to you. Transform them, change them from the inside out. Save them. Show yourself faithful. And can we just all pray this out loud for those who are saying yes right now in that moment? Church, will you say this? Say, God, I love you. I believe that you paid the debt for me by dying on the cross, resurrecting from the grave so that I could be forgiven and set free today. I trust you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody set. amen. Hey, put your hands together for those who accepted Jesus today. Come on. 
Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.